Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the B-Ball Jones Podcast featuring the Defensive Player of the Year in the Peach Belt Conference. Nelson Haskin, what's up, man? What's going on, bro? How you been? I've been all right, man. Trying to figure stuff out, man. But no excuses, no no complaint over here, man. What about you? I've been good, brother, but ready, ready, for, ready for the episode we got today. Been looking forward to it. Man, we have a very, very very special guest in the building man it's uh a guy of mine finally we got one of my people in here man uh <laughs> a guy who is like a big bro a mentor a uh crazy uncle that everybody loves <laughs> for some reason and uh this is a dope dude all around man but before he get on i'm gonna say this first none of this humble stuff this time it's it's time to big him up give him his love and welcome in my guy charles new What's up, man? What's going on, fellas? Oh, you crazy, man. and I am the crazy uncle. I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, go ahead and uh, tell us how you feeling, Newt. What's up, man? Man, I'm good. I, uh, I'm i excited to be on here. Um, I've gotten to see a lot of what you guys do. Uh, we got to hash it out a little bit, talk about some of it. Um, but I, I'm really excited, man. It's really cool to see guys do it for the genuine love of it and not just do it because they want clout and stuff. Like, y'all actually get on here and spit knowledge. B, we talk a good bit about how much love you actually have for this and how much love you give to these kids and everything that you do. Um, and I, I'm really just blessed to even be in y'all's company, man, straight up. Man, that, 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 that means a lot to me. That's nice, man. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. My guys, my guys. <laughs> yeah, man. So, um it's special, man. I know when we started to talk about interviews, you were like probably the first person, if not one of the first people I uh, wanted to have on here as a guest, man. So, you know, it means a lot coming for me to have you on here on this platform. It means a lot that it means Boy. a lot to you to come on here, man. So, yeah, uh, it's special. I appreciate it's special you, man. We've been out shoot. It's what, nine years now? It's crazy. It's been a minute. Yeah. Y'all know each other that long? It's been a minute. Sanford Camps, bro. Sanford yeah. camps. I was an assistant coach. I was a video guy, then assistant coach. B would come in and work him while he was working other jobs just to get into it and get after it. And we always had respect for each other because I saw how hard he went with the kids that were there. I was like, man, who, I don't know this guy. This is awesome. He don't even work for us, and he's doing it like this. This is awesome. So that's yeah. been my guy for a minute, man. That's cool, You know the man. crazy part is I ain't even think that you, like, really recognize me. I just, like – another guy that came in in my mind i'm just coming in here not to mess up and like uh, <laughs> <laughs> just don't get in trouble don't mess up make sure the kids have fun and uh get my money on the last day and get out y'all that's my mindset coming in get my like, money on the last day. <laughs> that's how most people are but what they say they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care yeah and like while we don't express i'm not going to express every single thing but you got to peep game to everything that's part of the attention to detail and stuff is like you see a dude doing it. You might not praise him all the time, all the time, all the time, but there's a reason we're still talking nine years later. And when I have, when we host our first hoops camp, you were my first call that I made to get in there and start working with us. So that speaks to you, bro. I appreciate that, man. I quote Santa the Bobby, you real recognize real. <laughs> that's that's I'm looking real. I guess I'm looking familiar right now. Yeah, nice. I'm looking real familiar. <laughs> hey, I love it. I love it. But all right, man. So we we had a little catch up, man. But um, 
take us back to young Newt. What was like growing up in Kentucky, man? So take us back to way, way back in the day, man, before you got into basketball. Like, what was that person like? The thing is, I've always been into basketball. Um, I mean, my grandfather, a lot of people don't know this, and we don't brag about or boast about it, but he was the athletics director of the University of Kentucky. Uh, He brought in Rick Pitino, Tubby Smith, um, and he had played at the University of Kentucky. He's in the Hall of Fame. Um, When you're born into that family, you're born into basketball. Now, the good thing about it was my grandfather, my father, I was lucky enough to have guys who didn't put the pressure on you, just kind of let you develop the love for it. So that was always entrenched in us and who I am. Um, And I'm very thankful and very blessed for that. Uh, But, man, I I was a kid. I was a knucklehead. I did stupid things. My hands look like this for a reason. They don't look pretty. Um, I like to be a kid, stuff I probably shouldn't (laughs) say on here. Um, <laughs> then I, I, after my little stint at military school, got to be, got to get a division one scholarship in Tennessee tech was very fortunate. Mike Sutton, um, uh, with that, got to go play there for a couple of years, had this knucklehead, Charlie made a quick check and then got into college athletics. Mm-hmm. And here we are now. Yeah. yeah I, but I, I, I was a normal kid, just like every other little white boy in the country. A normal <laughs> kid. Born into Kentucky basketball, yeah. Born into <laughs> Kentucky basketball. And the, here's the here's what I will say about that, not to get too long with it, but when you live in Lexington, Kentucky, you think every college basketball setup is the University of Kentucky. It's not. <laughs> it is not. That is not the norm. That is not the standard. That is the exception. So, like, most kids where I'm from, basketball is high level. Like, kids can really play. Coaches are phenomenal. But the problem is they have this standard and the expectation that they're going to play at UK. Mm. So when they go to – and this isn't a – Moorhead State's an unbelievable school, unbelievable institution. they got an unbelievable basketball coach in Preston Spradlin. But, like, we'd have guys who would snub Moorhead State to try to go to a junior college somewhere to make it a high major. And you're like, Moorhead State's in the Ohio Valley Conference. <laughs> Moorhead State is a phenomenal school. Hey, a phenomenal coach. It's just things like that. EKU, you know, and you look at him now and you're like, what were you guys thinking? Yeah. You yeah. Know? And that's funny because it's like, uh, like being from Alabama, Alabama high school basketball isn't very, isn't like the highest level high school basketball in the country. So, because it's more of a football place. Yeah. So, if you're not in the right area to play basketball, like the Birmingham area or Huntsville or, you know, one of the bigger cities like that, you don't really know what big time, like, basketball really is. Unless you're just traveling far and wide with AAU or going to a lot of good tournaments, you don't really know what it's like playing top tier talent all the time. That's kind of how I was being from rural Alabama. So, then guys killing in a little county, county circuit that they playing in. Thinking they going D one, then scored a couple twenty thirties, and then you know, when when it come down to scholarship time, it's like, man, all I got is JUCOs. Yeah. Like, what's going on? I, I yeah. had 30, 30 points five times this season. Like, man, the guys you had thirty against is it the guys that scoring thirty in Birmingham? <laughs> yeah. So I, I it's like it's kind of like the opposite. It's like they got high expectations for no reason. Like. Yeah. So guys think, man, I'm killing, but nobody's really looking at me. It's like, you're not killing the right people. So Exactly. That, that's but. why, seriously, that's why we're doing what we're doing. Um, mm-hmm. it, it has literally, my time at Sanford 
completely shifted my focus on what I wanted to do and, and who I wanted to be instead of chasing and dealing with like bringing in the top guys, man, how can we catch Alabama? Up? How, we're 10 yeah. years behind the rest of the country. How can you do it? Well, the best way to do it is to get in with the youth and to build it from the grassroots and to give them a home to put them on a platform and teach them the right way to where they're moving forward, moving forward. And, uh, so to your point, exactly right there, that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But, but don't don't give away all the sauce too early, man. We're going to get into all of that. We're going to get into all of that. <laughs> so but, I, want, I want to – oh, my bad. No, you I, I was wondering, about to say the same thing. <laughs> I was wondering, like, if you could compare Kentucky basketball to Alabama football, like, would that be the closest thing that you can see of, like, Without a being doubt. up there? Without a that doubt. makes perfect sense. Kentucky and Louisville basketball, because Louisville don't get enough credit, and, and they're finto with Kenny Bain there, they're about to. Yeah. Louisville and Kentucky basketball are in Alabama and Auburn football, and we're talking about the collegiate level, but we all know that that trickles down to high school very quickly because oh, yeah. it, it changes what you put importance on. That is the closest thing. It is the closest thing, the passion, the care – the the knowledge and here's the thing is like in Kentucky you might not have the best athletes in the world but their coaches they care because their coaches live and breathe University of Kentucky and Louisville basketball mm-hmm. all Alabama and Auburn coaches or excuse me coaches in the state of Alabama you either breathe Auburn or Alabama football and you're gonna learn everything you can to run your program like those Mm-hmm. So the education level, the knowledge, the how-to, th- that's where the kids are getting the best. Yeah. yeah. I remember what it was like playing in a football high school, and I'm a good basketball player, and I'm like, man, would be nice to get fed before games. <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> Must be nice. Man, not to put my high school out there, but they need to do better. <laughs> Because <laughs> the football team, football team was getting fed on Thursday afternoons, and then getting snacks on Friday during school, and then getting fed Friday before the game. Then they might have food taken home after the game on Friday. I'm wow. like, man, basketball games, we'd be lucky to get some before the game. But you get one of the brown sacks that has the peanut butter, the off-brand peanut butter. Man, man. <laughs> I remember back no in- on the bag. Yeah. <laughs> man, I remember, I remember walking to go get food before games, like. Literally leaving our gym, like, all right, y'all, I'll be back walking, <laughs> going to get food, and <laughs> coming back with the food. <laughs> they never had to do that, all think people realize. But, hey, that's a story for another day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like you had a lot of places, though. That's true. Yeah. So, but, uh, Coach, since, uh, since you got into your childhood, tell us a little more about, like, when you got older and started getting into coaching and uh, breaking into where you are now. Man, I uh, I was uh, obviously I mentioned my grandfather, and my father. I, very fortunate with the names, and what I learned quickly though is first, first, and this is not talked about. Nobody's going to bring it up. And forget it. I don't plan on getting back in the business, so I'll just be real. If you're going to be a young white dude in the game, you better have players just stacked up, ready to go. It's just mm-hmm. the truth. Okay, um, and so I, I was lucky enough, Scott really gave me a chance um, to bust out and be an assistant coach. And, you know, it, it helped that we had guys from Kentucky, um, Darius Miller, Kristen Cunningham, 
I mean, it, it was boom, boom like that. And but you remember, they just so happened to be pretty two daggum guard to get the yeah. program rolling. Um, and those guys really set the tone of Sanford. And I was lucky because I'm a gym rat. I don't know how to function if I'm not in the gym. I mean, it's, what is it, 925, and we just left the gym 40 minutes ago. I was late to this because we couldn't get out of the gym quick enough. Um, I don't know what to do or how to function if I'm not in the gym. Uh, so I was lucky enough to where Scott would give me roles that would really help educate me, and I would have to learn things the hard way. I would fail so bad. And, man, that dude gave me grace. And that is something that not a lot of college basketball coaches give you because they're so focused on the product that they don't care about the process. Mm. They don't care about how it gets done or how many hours you spend. Either you get it done or you're terrible and you're out. And, and they really act like little children. Well, he, he gave me grace, man. And uh, I was just very fortunate. And I, I got to move up from a video coordinator to where – we would spend time watching his old jazz film, his old film uh, with UK so that I could learn his system and how he did things and kind of the nuances of X and O's and how to really like read and attack defenses. And I think like learning as much video as possible because you don't know what you don't know until you know what you don't know, if that makes sense. And the only sense. way to learn stuff is to really just sit there, examine it, and break it down. And we'll watch a play five times, and then we watch it five more times because you say, all right, we're going to watch the point guard and what he sees from the defense as far as the secondary defenders, right? So point guard, his matchup doesn't really matter to him because he's trying to run the offense. So you watch what he sees from the secondary defenders. So they may have an offensive set that starts initiating on the right side. Well, if the defense is loaded up left side, help side, he might try to attack that to suck in the right side on the kickback and then to make reads. And, like, you learn that from watching that position. And then you learn the reads from the big because you sit there and watch the big and how the big reads his man helping. And I would have never mm. thought that. I'm like, most guys looking at it like, all right, how do I attack my guy when I have the ball? But Scott was brilliant in that he knew how to attack guys without the ball. He knew how to read his spacing and what move he would end up doing later by where his big was helping. So he'd position himself and just different things like that. Just learning the nuances of the game and like how different systems flow into different things. You really develop a way of kind of how you want to attack and how to change how you attack based on personnel. Right. And so where does that help you? I'm saying all this to say, where does that help you as an assistant coach? When I go do skill workouts, when we're in there and we call them the Batman hours, the bat cave hours, when we're in there at midnight to two o'clock in the morning. We're working on attacking those different things, and they're not hard, hard, hard workouts. They're mm -hmm. mental sweat workouts. Yeah, details. Yeah, and so you're focused on little details, and then you can take what you learn from that to end the season. I got the best education I ever got in my life because we had every single year. There's thirty. What is it? Thirty-two games in the college basketball season. In the mm -hmm. preseason, each coach gets. So you probably get five scouts, and then during this during the conference, you get three teams in your league. I learned so much more from scouting other teams. I knew other teams' playbooks better than our own. Probably it's because Scott would come up with like fifteen different plays a game, but 
part of it was you spend the time, so much time watching Mike Young, who's one of the most brilliant X and O guys I've ever seen in my life. He's brilliant. He, he's brilliant. And then you go against Bob Hoffman, who has – I was joking with uh, Jake Hedrick the other day. Bob Hoffman, he'll bust – he won't use the same out-of-bounds play in the same two years. So, like, you do a scout on him, and you're like, yeah, we can pre-switch everything and take all this away, Coach, because he ran it in the last five games. But they're going to do something they ain't ran in two years just because they want to. Like, it's that type of stuff that you don't realize goes into it that really helps educate you so that you can help your guys and you can learn and grow and develop so really anything becomes boom, boom, boom. I can do it all on the fly. Um, and I was lucky early in life because, I mean, I said it, Rick Pitino, somebody's going to have to tell me that he's not the greatest college basketball coach of all time. And somebody's really going to have to prove that to me. But Rick Pitino is the greatest college basketball coach of all time. Not including off the court stuff. On the court, he's the greatest. I literally grew up in Rick Pitino's practices. So I got an advantage that a lot of people didn't get by just being able to be around that. And I didn't even know that I was taking it in. I didn't intellectualize it, but I knew how to run a press and how, to, how defense shrinks the court and offense spreads the court by the time I was nine years old. Mm. From watching guys like Tony Delk, Ron Mercer, Derek Anderson, the Scott Padgett's, Nazi Muhammad, like those dudes going at it in practice and him spazzing on them and teaching them. So I'd be scared of that. I'd be like, okay, don't pull away from the ball if you're on defense. Shrink the court and pull to the midline. So, okay, got it, coach. Hmm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So everything else was just kind of the after effect of that. Sorry, that's my long-winded way of saying it. I, I would care about this basketball stuff if y'all didn't know. Hey, you got to mean something to you. <laughs> yeah. But that's Man, my long-winded way of saying it. Yeah, that's how you come up in it. You got to grind. You got to work. Yeah. And the most important thing, you have to care about the players and the people. Because if mm-hmm. you don't, what are you doing it for? Man. Exactly. Like, what, what are we doing this? If we're not caring about the kids, if we're in this for coaches' egos, man, you're in the wrong business. You, you're yeah. doing the wrong thing. If yeah. it ain't about lifting them kids up. And the sad thing is a lot of dudes are in it for the wrong thing. I caught That's myself true. at times <clears throat> caring about how it affected me and winning a game. We're talking about a stupid game. Caring about one game and like getting all upset over the, at these kids over a game, mm-hmm. and so like I had to check myself at the end of it. And it is my favorite quote and my favorite thing, and it's why we're doing what we're doing is it's not about what you are; it's about who you are. Mm-hmm. And when you figure out who you want to be, and you do not deviate from that plan, you're good. But that takes a lot. It takes a lot of soul searching. And I, w- I have not always been the best at it. So all my former players and college guys, I've, I've apologized to each of y'all individually via text sometimes. <laughs> I love you guys. I'm sorry for some of this stuff. <laughs> That's funny, but man. But, man, like my old JUCO coach, uh, Lawrence and Soul, he, he, uh, he used to say that to us all the time. He was an old guy. He When I was there, um, when I, fir- I first went there in 2018, 2019, and uh, he was 71. So he was, our, wow. he was an old coach. Yeah, he had been in the game for a long time. He's in the Alabama Juco Hall of Fame and stuff. Is it so Tommy he, Suits? 
Yeah. Okay, you familiar? Yeah, I forget yeah. you. You you in Alabama? Everybody don't know who he is up here. So I know Tommy Sousa. He was a heck of a coach, man. Good dude. Oh yeah, good dude. Yeah, I love Coach Adele. Yeah. But Coach kind of treat us like his grandchildren a lot of times. <laughs> so, which I love. You know, I'm big. Yeah. I'm, I'm a family guy. Yeah. You know, that meant a lot to me that he cared about us and stuff. He's still a good, like, great basketball mind, great coach, all of that. But he treated us like his grandchildren a lot. And I remember one day he was like, uh, he was like, I didn't got old and soft. And, uh, he said, I didn't got soft in my old age because the players I used to coach back in the day, I used to cuss at them and yell at them for every little thing they did and all types of things. I wish I could go back and apologize to all of them. I yep. used to feel, and I was like, Coach, I can't even see it. Like, I just seen him get mad, obviously, and like get on our case about things. But I never seen him like the way he was describing himself. So yeah. I was like, man, I'm glad I missed that part of it because <laughs> <laughs> I came in at the right time. You you old man Tommy now. You you grandpa Tommy. So I came in at the right point in time. So yeah. that I understand exactly what you're talking about. Just knowing like like as you get older, like, yeah. This this is really what it's about. It's not even about me, it's about these guys. So I can see he figured that out. Sometimes you gotta take yourself out of the situation too, man. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Um yeah. It, it's really tough. It really is. And when you're living and you're saying, my paycheck depends on this, my life depends on No. I got a nine-year-old son. My son, every single night I come home, my son, he ain't care about one thing about a game. Not one thing. And what matters? Winning the game or seeing that little kid succeed and be happy. Or seeing our kids, our dudes that play this Sanford become great dads. Some of them that won the least games are the best fathers, the best men, because they cared and they worked and they bought in and they believed. Mm-hmm. If you handle that, the games and the winning stuff, that'll be a byproduct. The problem is coaches get three-year contracts, right, in college basketball. Most of them get three-year contracts. So you're saying by year three, we got to have this. And so then are, are you making an investment in players or are you renting players? Mm-hmm. That's bad business. You feel me? Mm. Food. Kirk Franklin, I think, was talking about it. food tastes best coming out of the oven, not the microwave. Mm. And right now we live in a microwave society. And it's because it really starts at the top. Right? Yeah. So coaches get I get a three-year kind I got a win in three years and I'm fired. I'm out. I don't have a chance to renew this thing. So they go to get it quick, get it quick. How I'm gonna build mm. a relationship if I'm constantly recruiting overview, if I'm constantly saying B Jones ain't good enough. We need a better point guard to come in next year. How am I actually investing in you? And I yeah. get it. Players make the world go around like you need talent. You do. But you also have to build and invest relationships or this whole thing. What are we doing it for? You're going to be out anyways yeah. because kids aren't going to want to be around you and they're going to transfer. Yeah. When you transfer, you're not going to have any legitimacy or longevity within your program. It's just things like that that it, it got to go into more account. And the truth is, coaches get paid way too much. College coaches do. <laughs> they get paid so well, much. Coach yeah. basketball. Because the NCAA signed a contract for billions. So why shouldn't the coaches get paid more? Yeah. See what I'm saying? That's all the way at the top. So uh, yeah. a lot of money. Nobody it's a business. To, nobody really wants to say that. I'm never getting back into it, so I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wait. How? In your opinion, how could you 
let's say you were getting back into it and you were like a head coach. How can you manage, like you just talking about the relationships of building up the players versus like the quick turnaround, like the Kentuckys. They got guys, like you said, basically random for a year and he is a pro guy anyway. He's not going to be here, but six, seven months. So how do you balance the long-term relationships with the short-term success needed to like make things work? So I think the misconception is that a coach is a coach on the court and in practice. Your, your job as a coach is to coach life. Yep. And so, like, you come in here, I'm bringing you here saying that I believe in you. I have to invest in you as a person. And I don't mean, like, make sure you do your schoolwork so that you can get your GPA and stuff like that. I mean, man, let me teach you how to shop for groceries the right way. Let me make sure that your apartment's clean. Not because I'm worried about the landlord or or whoever charging you in that security deposit. But like, just let me make sure we teach you how to do things. Let me make sure that you know how to talk to a woman. Let me make sure you know how to be around children. Let me make sure that I have you over to the house to eat. Like, just things like that. And this is a great grand hypothetical because ain't nobody hiring Charles Newton to be a head coach at a Division One university. Um. My number one thing I do, I wouldn't make it. I I wouldn't even talk about winning games. I know that sounds crazy. I just get in the trenches and we would just build each other as a team and build culture and get these guys believing and fighting for each other. Because every single day is a fight for your culture. If you don't fight, and I, I mean like you got to fight it tooth and nail. You got to look for reasons to mess up so that you can run a suicide in practice as a coach. Like you got to look for reasons to show the guys that you're in the trenches with them. Cause we talked about earlier, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Like they don't. So if we want to win games and all that, we got to believe in each other first. Cause the talent level, the discrepancy ain't that big. You know what I mean? Like it's really not the difference in mid majors and high majors right now is the size. Dudes are yoked up at that level. Skills, yeah. really all the same right now. Some dudes do it a little bit better than others, but it's not that big a difference. Mm-hmm. Mid-majors have more advantage if their kids don't get poached by high majors because they've got four-year guys. St. Peter's, they got four-year guys. You hear a different mid-major team every year. Well, those teams have seniors. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wouldn't say one thing about winning games in the offseason. I wouldn't make it about what Wofford's doing, what – First, what Kansas is doing, what Duke's doing. I wouldn't make it about what any other team is doing. All that matters is who we are and what we do. And if we're this team, then we're going to be this team all day, every day. And you can't fake it because people, you can smell BS from a mile away. Mm. The gimmicks, the media stuff, no. Guys want to know, hey, do you got my back and my load? Mm. And the misconception is have my back. Are you going to get me out of trouble? It's a misconception. Yeah. Have my back means are you going to know that it's six inches in a pat on the back and a pop on the rear end? Mm-hmm. Are you going to know when to get me right? Or are you going to know when to turn my life around? And mm-hmm. a lot of guys need the latter. Mm-hmm. So that that's what I do. I would just care about the dudes. I bring in guys that needed help, and I'd try to help them. I wouldn't enable, but help. Yeah, that's that's a I want to say a game changer thing, but it's like part of the a difference that needs to happen because um, 
a lot of college coaching is more about like respect, but the respect is really a fear factor thing. So it's mm-hmm. like either what I say or it's what I say one way or the other. It's not what yeah. you want to have. And I like I was reading this book called Well Done. It was basically like uh, a different way to communicate and like to um, like talk to kids basically about parenting or management to, you know, superiors, whatever. And it's like we base so much stuff off of fear. And like you said, picnic picking of what to do wrong. But really, if you can, like, not to be corny, but, like, focus on the positive, focus on the good that you want to happen to, like, if this person does a good job at doing this, highlight that thing that you want them to do rather than focus on the negative end of it. So don't focus on the mistake. Focus on the positive that they do good at and keep building that up because over time, they're going to keep wanting that reward of what you just talked about. So, oh, he, he liked when I did that? Oh, let me figure out how to do that more often. So now when you do correct mm-hmm. them, it's ten times easier to come down on them, but you're going to do it the right way and they'll take it as love rather than coaches coming down on me. Oh, man, I don't know what to do. So Or show them the right way. Don't yeah. just tell them the right What if I show it? What if I live it? What if every mm-hmm. single day I live it? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I have yeah. a child. Here's, here's the truth. Humans mess up every day. I mess up every day. And I get better every day because I mess up every day. If my nine-year-old son messes up, and I do get on him, because that's part of parenting. But if I if I lose my mind on him, you know what's going to happen the next time he messes up? If he spills a Coke in his room and I lose my mind on him and it was an accident, what do you think is going to happen the next time he spills a Coke? Do you think he's going to tell me and I can clean it up or do you think he's going to try to cover it up and hide it from me? Hide it. So that's not a real relationship. Yep. You correct the action, you educate, and then you move on. And then you know what you do? This is my favorite, and I wish I would have learned this when I was coaching the Tampa. You make mistakes, and you openly admit your mistakes, and you own your mistakes. Mm-hmm. Because the God complex, the, well, I got this. I don't mess up. I mean, that ain't true. Everybody messes up every day. Mm-hmm. If I'm acting like I don't ever mess up, then does that come off as genuine? No. Humility is a beautiful thing. It's taken me a long time to learn. I don't even have it figured out all the way. But I'm proud to say I mess up every day and I get better every day. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be pretty good one be. day because I mess up a lot. That's <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. But that's life, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what better way to teach life than through a silly game? <laughs> That's you throw a, a leather ball in an iron rim. I tell people all the time, like basketball has taught me more about life than basketball. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a it's a life lesson in everything: how to communicate with others, how to pl- like, how to play with others, how to get along, how to have a boss and do what he asks you to do, how to get you know take discipline things like that. It taught me more about life than 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 life. So. You learn more losses than wins. Exactly. Hey, you got to know how to take an L. God bless you. But you also got to know how to win. Because in life, you're playing with real live ammo. Mm-hmm. And the this is the other misconception. So the misconception is that a loss is lost. Yes, you, you want to win. Nobody plays a game to lose. Yeah. You want to win. But the real victory in it, so like if we lose two times to a team this year and we meet them in the tournament, the conference tournament, and we bust that head in, which mm-hmm. one feels better? If we would just roll through them three times, uh, 
or if we fought, if we fought back, if we took an L and we fought back and we got out the mud. Mm. That's what life is like. Nobody starts off on third for real. Mm-hmm. You gotta dig it out. You got you gotta hit those the the bases. You gotta hit first. Then you gotta hit second. Then you gotta get to third. Sometimes you're gonna get struck out. Sometimes you're gonna mm-hmm. pop out. But you gotta keep going, man. And basketball is a beautiful game. It is. It's the only game where you get to hit the reset button every single play. Mm-hmm. I can turn That's the ball true. over here, but I got to sprint back and hit the reset button down there. Mm, yeah. And that is is beautiful for life. I, kid, when I was young, man, it's the greatest thing to ever happen to me, dude. He <laughs> is. He really is. But at that time, it, that was scary. You know it was scary. But if I would have just tanked it and be like, oh, I'm done. It's over. Not going to go get to play professionally the way I want to. Got to stay here. Got to get into this. No, I. That's the love of my life. It's my joy, man. It's everything. It's basketball helped me get through that. All them late nights, the early morning, fighting through stuff I didn't want to do. Taking losses, then flipping them and turning them into dubs. Mm-hmm. Like that's I, I had a, a crazy. I had a girl one time, a lady one time, tell me success isn't final and failure isn't fatal. Mm-hmm. Changed my life. Changed my life to this day. That is is one of the realest quotes I've ever got. I get mm-hmm. so down after losing. Like man, it's over. It's over. I'm not dead. It's not over. Yeah. You get a dub. Ah, oh, we're on top of the world. What happens if you go Khalid El Amin, UConn point guard, won the national mm-hmm. championship with Rip Hamilton, failed a drug test, got caught smoking, couldn't go on the parade, really hurt himself with the NBA. Mm, that would have killed me, boy. <laughs> mm. That's sad. Success isn't final and failure isn't fatal, man. Mm. True. It keeps going. No matter what, it keeps going. Sorry, man. Man. Uh-huh. I know I like I, I get into this stuff, man. This is, hey, hey, we're gonna let you have it. We're gonna let you have it. But <clears throat> be uh you, you you get into one of your questions. I'm like we go back and forth with it, so you, you get one of your questions in. Now let's go deep into um, like you said, how being a dad changed you. So like, what were like the the thought process and like the learning curve that you had from as a player to a dad to a coach now as a businessman? Like, what were the lessons you learned from each like title change along the way? Um, man, I was a dad. I, I was a player first. Um, and, and it's sad to say, but even I like whose dad was in it, like, when you're a player, you're low-key giving a lot. As long as you play your game, you don't really got to worry about this. Play your game, show up to school, you don't got to worry about this, you don't got to focus on this. Um, Becoming a father, I I became a father, like, it's like father-coach, same time. Playing career ended father-coach. Um being a, a young father and a young coach was very hard. Uh, but 
and say that it wasn't because my kid was hard or the coaching was hard. It was me navigating and finding the balance and a healthy balance in not taking a loss home with you or not taking whatever you don't get a recruit home with you because you got the love of your life, a little baby boy sitting there that he don't care about none of that. He don't know you're a coach. He knows you go to the gym and your dad asks. And while he's grown up in basketball, man, it, being a dad is the greatest thing I've ever been. Like it, it's, it will for my entire life. I'm choking up thinking about like being a dad is the greatest gift, and I screw it up every day. Every day I'm going to screw something up with him. It's just the truth. But my only job on this earth is to make him better than me. Mm-hmm. As long as I do that, we're good. That's generational change. Um, being going from coach to businessman, um, it's funny. Like I don't even really can. It's sad to say I don't even really consider myself a businessman, even though we started our own business. And it's successful and it's awesome, and I've got a great. I, I got a great group of dudes that I'm that I'm entrenched with, and everything's. We, us, our, it's not I, me, mine. It's not Newt's hoops, it's hoops. Um, it's for the kids, for the culture, forever. But, like, being a coach, you you still have to do everything within the organization. You have to do your scouts. You got to make sure dudes' academics are straight. You got to make sure dudes are living their life right. You got to get them in the gym. You got to prepare for games. You got to win games. You got to navigate recruiting, manage that. You got to make sure that everything's compliant, right? You got to make sure you're recruiting, but not just your recruiting budget, depending on the roles your head coach gives you. You have to make sure your budget's good. Um, running a business is low key the same thing. The only difference is literally every single thing. And you don't run a business, the business runs you first. <laughs> if you really care about it and you really live it, like I'm yeah. not running hoops. Hoops controls my life. We're going to get off of here. And I'm going to work on a website and learn how to build out a website and finish building out our website. I went to school. I graduated in three years with interdisciplinary studies degree. Do y'all know what that means? Nope. Exactly. It don't mean I should be smart <laughs> enough to design websites, right? <laughs> you literally have to do everything. I, I, and I've been blessed because of the people I, like that we work with and the guys that we're building this with. Well, I've been educated along the way, but I mean, this isn't a business. It's a lifestyle. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a living. It's what we do. And that to me is like, I'm entering this cool phase in my life to where like I've done things other people's way. And I've, you know, I felt like there was a while where I had to have a shaved face and I had to have my hair done a certain way and couldn't have tattoos on my arms and stuff. I couldn't do X, Y, and Z. But then I was like, Bro, we failed at that. We got fired. Mm-hmm. And y'all don't, nobody knows. My dad's the AD that like got rid of our staff. Mm-hmm. So, if, and he didn't fire me. He takes offense to it. He didn't fire, he fired us. We didn't yeah. perform. We didn't succeed. So we got fired. But in saying all that to say, like, you have to figure out who you want to be and the life that you want. And what your impact on the world's going to be. And then you just got to go 
balls to the wall and then threw it, and you got to go get it. Yeah. And if you ain't hungry enough to go get it, you shouldn't be doing it. But if you're hungry enough to go get it and you're good enough to starve for a little bit and you're good enough to – then I, I ain't going to be out there. Nobody's going to see me for a year or two. I, I'm going to be in the – like, I'm going to be figuring this out. I'm going to get it right. Mm-hmm. Then you belong doing something. But if you're caught up in X, Y, Z, man, how am I going to afford this? It's not it, bro. You got to be okay struggling. And I, I'm very fortunate to have a support crew and, and folks around me and to get in with folks like from day one that really had my back in this. Um, dude named Sander Hennessy, man, straight up believed in this joke from the jump. And he didn't believe in it because we did something cool. He believed in it because I got on his son's butt. I set his son down um never forget it and his son like didn't know what he did he's just an innocent kid but it was an educational moment and then when he realized that his son learned a life lesson he was like hold on hold on hold on who's this and it got in with the right guys from the beginning and then i'm lucky enough to have my son's the most flexible kid in the world and one day i'm gonna share stories with him like he's gonna have a book to write but that little joker most kids what do they do in the summer Go to the pool, kick it. Yeah, video games. I joke in the gym with me from like nine in the morning till nine at night. He just started playing basketball in August. So he doesn't really like, he didn't really like basketball like that until now. That's a ride or die right there, man. Like, I'm just blessed. And it's not, the funny thing is, people always talk about what I do for other people. And I don't think people realize what they do for me. They don't realize the energy and the life that they give me. Because this couldn't keep going. If we didn't have some of the parents we have involved with this, these little jokers, these kids that show up with a smile on their face, happy to get to work. Like that kid right there. Shoot, my dad's been my in my corner the whole time. Like this wouldn't work. So mm-hmm. Being a businessman is, is more of a lifestyle, I'd say, especially if you own it and you take ownership in everything and you got to be willing to own your failures too. It's, yeah. uh, it's the toughest thing I ever did. It's the most fun thing I've ever done. You speak in my language, man. Like everything you just said, just like, yep, got to learn this too. Like website, and you got to figure that out. Man, this, and you got to figure out how to do a podcast, what site to get it on, how to do this, how to do that. It's just like, like we talked about before we got on, it's like a learning process that never ends, bro. It's like not then, if you're doing it even, right. Yeah, right. yeah. And then like not even including like the whole like the actual part of training and coaching. Like, forget yeah. that. It's like, oh my, just the business <laughs> part. Like oh, how to do content social media, do it consistently. How to it's like two separate worlds that you almost have to do. And then forget the third world of actually being a human being and being like a person. Like it's just yeah. so much to make. Like it's a lot, bro. But like you said, it's a lifestyle. And like, if you can't enjoy the ups and the downs, the lefts and the rights, and everything that's tied into it, it's it's a whole different thing. Like now, I'm at a point where I encourage people to not not do this because you got to be built for it. And like, be said, don't do ah, it. Go ahead and get you yeah. a job at, at a restaurant, whatever. Just, just go that way because this is it's stressful, but it's a blessing. Like you said, mm. like it's about the kids, man. Because yeah, I'll be having a terrible time, a terrible day. 
like, man, should I cancel this session today? Man, I don't know, man. But I think about letting them down. I'm like, ah, I can't do that to them. So yeah, I go to the gym, man. I with them. They end up turning my life around. I'm like, man, I had a good day just because of you, man. So yep. everything you just said, it's just like, y'all you got a co-sign it. on that, man. Yeah. B, I know about you. I'm sorry. I, I know this is y'all's podcast and y'all get to ask questions. Now, how you get into all this, dude? What do you mean? You like the podcast? Well, shoot, everything you're doing right now. Can we hear your story and how you get into everything, dog? I I want to hear. Can I? I know that you guys are the ones who ask questions. Can I ask the question? Because I respect uh, you guys. Oh, uh, I appreciate it, but um, I mean, I don't know. Like uh, the basketball part of it is, is like you know, just you know, grinding and putting the work in, and you know, never stopping. And you know, I, I I'm the kind of guy that like I, I I'm good with being a star in my role. Like, I've, I've been like that since high school. I played high school with a guy that can score, and, like, my coaches wanted to make him be the scorer, so I did what I do, which yeah. is, you know, size rebound, I run the floor, you know, I score when I can. And so I've kind of been living my life that way. Like, I'm going to be a star whatever role that I'm given. So it's one of them things basketball taught me. So it's like, okay, like, I, you know, I grew up in church. Hey, Nelson, we, we need you to come in early and help set up chairs. All right. I got oh, you. that's yeah. right. I, I got you. Pull any chance. So let's do it. <laughs> you know, that's that's me though. Like I'm a kind of guy. No, you know, it's a, like that, that's kind of how I live my life. I'm I, I'm a star in my role, and like now I'm to the point where, you know, I'm kind of getting to the point where it's like, hey man, we need you to be more than a role player. Like, hey, we need you like, next year. You got to be the guy. So now I'm learning how to do that, and so. Uh, but, like, how I got into, you know, being on a podcast, you know, I've, I've been a player all my life, obviously. But uh, B, you know, started doing the training thing a long time ago. Me, me and Brian are cousins. I don't know if he's ever told you that. Like, me and him are actually related. Like, no, man, cousins. I know things like Brian going from, I don't know, I'm not going to put your business out too deep. But, like, I know things from, like, Brian being like, man, shoot, we got, I got to get it in late night tonight. I got, I got work. I'm done at Chick-fil-A at X time. So I can go there. So he's literally grinding out, you know, like whatever nine hour shifts and then going to the gym. That, that's that's, that's all you not know. To, not to do his own horn too much, but I know the dude who who literally grinds to support his work. And his hey, passion. but hey, but that's something I admire about me. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's something I admire about him because I'm the kind of guy that grinds. But I'm gonna grind it out. Like yeah. I'm gonna put the work in. I tell my coach every day, I'm gonna put the work in for whatever I want. I'm gonna put the work in. And that's let you know how much I care about it. But one day, I don't even remember when it was. Like, it was like a Thanksgiving or a Christmas. Like, we was all together. And uh, Brian was at, he, we, me and Brian, we were talking. He's like, we good. To, like, whenever we got together, we was going to talk basketball at some point. Yeah. Like, and so I remember he just was like, uh, you know, he had his YouTube and everything. And, you know, he was already doing the training and the business. So one day, it was one of those get-togethers. He was like, "You wanna? Uh, you ever thought about starting a podcast?" And I was like, "Uh, no, nah, nah, I ain't never <laughs> thought about that. <laughs> I've never thought about that. Like a podcast. Like I know what a podcast is, but what is it really? Like we just record ourselves talking. Like I've never thought about doing that." He said, "Man, I think you'd be good at it. You know, you you're very outspoken. You like, you know, we talk basketball all the time. Anyway, it's really just us doing what we're doing now." Yeah platform like we put it out for other people to hear and i was like i mean when people really listen to us talk like how we talking now like we just talk basketball i feel like i you know i feel like that's nothing he was like trust me man 
people like love stuff like this. People would listen to this. We actually have like you're a player, you're a college player, you know, I'm a trainer. That can be our thing. That's our dynamic, you know, and then you you outspoken, you're more funny, you know, you you be good with words. He's like, you could be like, you know, Stephen A, Shannon Sharp type. <laughs> And he was like, I'm more analytical and more, you know, reserved. I, he, he said, I, I, I'm more of the not, 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 not skip a max. Like he, he's yeah. definitely not that. But like, I'm more, I'm one more of the reserved type. Like, like kind of like Ernie Johnson. Like, yeah. guy, you know, what I'm saying like I'm like Shaq. He like Kenny. Like he, like we, we, we both know the game. But like, I'm more of the, you know. For lack of a better word, I'm I'm the funny guy. I'm like the you know I can throw the joke in there here and there and be more of the analytical like let me run to the board show y'all what's going on kind of guy. And so that's kind of where where it took off from. And when he when he was telling me about it in that way, I was like, I, I, maybe I would listen to that. So yeah, it's a great job. I was man. I never watched the podcast, listened to the podcast until I saw his him doing. I was like, hold on, B's doing what? Hold on, man. Let me check out and see what this is. And I was like, you know, this is actually like just the homies. No, that, that's what it is. That's, that's kind of what we want. Just the homies. Yeah. Like, some, like you can take little nuggets from me. Like, I ain't never looking at it that way. Exactly. Right. Like, I and never then think you know, that Russell Westbrook would be considered Michael Jordan. <laughs> I <ain't> never, <laughs> oh, I man. To, I had to. I'm sorry. I had to. Hey, I knew I was, it was coming at some point. I knew it was coming at some point. I was waiting on it. When we talk to each other today, exactly. Like, and but I that to. I I enjoy that. I, I appreciate that you get on like and ask me about it. Like something that I said that let me know that you number one that you listened to it, and number two you didn't hear it. You listened. Like you actually yeah. knew and remember something. A phenomenal I job, y'all really. Yeah. Do. I got to give y'all the credit. Like I, y'all do a really good job. Anybody can say uh, that a celebrity does a good job at doing it. But to actually take on and doing something when you don't already have a name, like y'all, y'all are doing a really good job, guys. Just so y'all know, I wouldn't have agreed to come on here unless I thought y'all were doing a really good job. So, Man, kudos to that. you guys, and I got to give y'all a lot of credit because y'all are doing a phenomenal job. Appreciate, Appreciate that, man. I mean, I know. Been, this is probably your longest episode ever. I'm the worst. <laughs> Oh, you good, nah, man. No, nah, you good. No, nah, definitely. Like, it's not the longest, <laughs> trust me. But, but, you know, we going to ask you a couple more questions to get out of there. And then let me also throw that out there. This is this is the B-Ball Jones podcast. Also, like, this is Brian's, like, Brian asked me to be on. This is already his platform. I always throw that out there. Like, this is the, like, we're like, hold on, where is that? I got to use this hand. The B-Ball Jones podcast. Oh, yeah. I didn't that up, man. It's been throwing me off so much. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we, we yeah, had our little yeah, adjustment yeah. period too. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the B Ball Jones podcast with Nelson Haskins. So that that lets you know like this is his platform. This is his business. His uh, you know, he's the entrepreneur. I'm like the funny guy that plays basketball. He brought on I'm the Shaq, he the Ernie Johnson. <laughs> like if you ever if you ever watched NBA on TNT, Shaq ain't never got no papers. No. <laughs> like, Ernie got all the papers. He know what's going on, he know the order, he know what we're talking about. That's B. I'm yeah. Shaq. Hey, I get on, I argue with Chuck, hey, and, you know, I go home. I throw out my couple nuggets because I got, what do you say, G1 classification? <laughs> G14. Yeah, that was it. I got G14 classification. I can say certain things. I can bring up certain things, and that's what I do. So I have fun with that. I enjoy it. I, so it's what we do. And then we get to have guys like you come on here and tell your story, and I enjoy hearing that, and, like, it's all fun for me. 
That's what's so, up, man. So another question that I have for you to get back on you, because it's your interview. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> another question I have for you. So you went from being a videographer at Sanford, right? And then you yeah. got moved up to assistant coach. So tell, talk, talk to me about that. Tell me how did that feel? Like, did you feel validated, appreciated to go from video guy to being on the bench assistant coach? Man, so – I was actually on the bench as a video guy. Um, mm. I can say this now because we ain't there no more. Man, I was working dudes out when I was a video coordinator. I ain't, I ain't never been off of the court or out of doing that. Um, okay. So that, that was really how I got into being an assistant coach was Scott saw my grind and me working with the dudes and knew, all right, he doesn't actually just talk it. Like, he knows what he's doing. Um, and I was involved heavily in the scouts. Um I really cared about that, and I really wanted to learn and wanted to grow. It was one of the greater feelings I've ever had in my life. Uh, I, Kristen Cunningham and Darius Jones-Gibson committed before I was an, an assistant coach. I recruited them before that, and we had had this relationship before that. Um, one of the coolest feelings of my life is sitting in the locker room at the Pete Hanna Center and uh, – Scott kind of addressing the team and addressing changes we're going to have. And he's like, and just so y'all know, dude's going to be an assistant coach with us. And like the whole, all the dudes got hyped. Like that, that was one of the dopest feelings ever. And then it was like, can't cuss on here, can you? No, nah, nah, we, we would not. Yeah, kids watch this. <laughs> it was like, holy smokes. Yeah. What do I do now? Yeah. It's like, what, what does this mean? What do I do? So, um, then it was like back to learn on the fly. You had to learn recruiting ain't just, hey, I like how you play. Hey, this is Sanford University. Come here, blah, blah, blah. It's you write out your roster three years down the line. You write out positions year by year. And then you go in and fill in gaps and fill in holes. You go to an event and you watch games from like 8 in the morning to I think they shut the gym down about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And if you miss a game, you're going to miss a kid. Mm. So you don't miss games during that time. And initially you go in and, and it's like you're in a pool this big. You guys can't see my arm. You're in a pool this big. And then as you see the kids, it gets like this. And then as you learn about their families, it gets like this. And then as you see their grades, it gets like this. And then as you see how they handle their teammates and coaches, it gets like this. And then as your other assistants go see them, it gets even tighter. Um, the the crazy thing to learn is navigating within a staff, um, navigating with the other assistant coaches, navigating with egos. Because if I get a kid and you don't get a kid, and we're recruiting a kid in the same position, like navigating that. And we were lucky enough to have a guy like Jake Hedrick who educated us early on and like Scott did a good job of making sure that the culture was right within the staff. Um, if your culture is right within your staff, you're good. Um, when egos are involved, it's set up for failure. Um, but if everybody really wants each other to eat and everybody wants each other to win, you're going to be good. Our best recruiting classes, the most fun I had as an assistant was when we would all take turns recruiting each other's kids for the other guy. Mm. we would all we would take our pool of kids we would all watch them together 
couldn't have an ego on it. And none of them were our kid. They were coach's kid because none of them would play for us. They played for coach. And we would take turns and be like, hey, man, I'm going to go recruit. I'm going to go follow Shark this summer. I got you, Jake. Jake found him. Unbelievable job. Found Josh Sharkey. I got you. I'm going to follow him this summer. I got you. We got each other. So when Shark gets there, if you're a really good assistant coach at a mid-major school, low major, whatever you want to call it, you're going to have job offers in the next few years. So if the only reason why a guy comes to Sanford is for one assistant coach, what happens if that assistant coach gets another job? Mm-hmm. They have no relationship with anybody else on the staff. What happens if one dude specializes in this, but I, I'm really good in teaching you how to be a dad. I'm really good in loving on you off the court. He's really good, and he's a fun dude. He's this dude, but I, I got you. You want to come home and have a home-cooked meal? Jay, I wasn't married. I'm not married. Jake had a wife. Tommy, you want to cook for him something? They need, they need a woman's touch around. Scott was the best at having Cynthia love on the guys. Like, everybody brings something to the table, but you have to drop your ego. And long story short, again, it was really cool to get the nod. It was really cool, but really scary at the same time because I didn't want to screw up. Well, I understand that feeling, but yeah. when you get that upgrade in, in position, like – it's been yeah. that way when we playing. Like you get put into a new role, and it's like, hey man, now you did this, but that doesn't even matter no more. We need this now. It's like, yeah. ah. And the funny thing was, everybody thought that my dad being the AD, man, my dad told Scott not to bring me up. Dang. My father told my boss not to put me as an assistant coach. And I love my dad. And my dad loves me today. That's my best friend in the world. It wasn't out of Lack of respect, didn't think I could do it. It was more like, hey, man, that ain't a good look. Scott's like, Martin, I, he's got our starting backcourt right here, and he's really good. And I got to give Scott credit, man. Scott Padgett, I owe the world to Scott Padgett. He, he really had – like, he stepped up and had my back. And for that, I would forever do anything for Scott. Hmm. Easily. And, again, Martin Newton is my best friend in the world. That is my dog. He's educated me and helped me so much in life. But I, I was scared because I knew people were going to say, oh, he only got that because of this. I'd heard mm-hmm. growing up sometimes, man, oh, he's only going to – he only got a Division One scholarship because he's C.M. Newton's grandson. Don't nobody give a – don't nobody care about C.M. Newton <laughs> at that point in life. Like nobody, mm-hmm. nobody gives out 30 you, – I got your back on that. Nobody's giving out $30,000 scholarships because his grand. No, they're trying to win games. Mm-hmm. So it is, you had that fear and you doubt yourself a good bit, but all that came from just not being confident in self and not knowing who I wanted to be, just chasing what I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Man, speaking of you folks, man. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'll just say, I'm, I'm out of questions, B, so it's all, it's all you. <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, speaking of you folks, man, uh, getting ready for this interview, you know, Doug, and, you know, did a little research and stuff. I understand you so much more by knowing your dad and granddad, like doing a little stuff that yeah. I saw. Like he talked, you talked about how he was uh, 
granddad is the basketball hall of fame. He was at Kentucky. He, he was the first to integrate uh, the first black coach for men's and women's and all the stuff that he was doing. I'm just like, okay, you're looking at black you. athlete to university of Alabama. Mm. Wendell Hudson. Um, mm. And the, the, the truth is, is all that the Hall of Fame stuff. Man, my, my grandfather made $9,000 as the head coach of Alabama. Mm. I, it ain't about – it's about legacy and what you're trying to build and what we are doing now. My whole mission, I, it's on my Twitter and everything. The reason why I do what we're doing right now, I want to desegregate Birmingham. Mm-hmm. I want to take Birmingham from this OTM split over here. Mountain Brook here, Homewood here, Vestavia here. Then you go through the mountain, and it's the rest of Birmingham, and don't nobody really care about that. I want to break down that. And, and there are three ways you can really desegregate people and create generational change and bring people of all different walks of life together is food, music, and sports. I can't cook. I dang sure can't, can't sing, dance, any of that. I can dance. I know sports. And I can build a gym to get everybody together. And my grandfather started something special because his whole thing was how do we create generational change? Mm -hmm. And Hoops is a business and it will take money to do it without a doubt. All I care about is in 50 years, we have kids living out the seven core values that we believe in and these little pods and these little communities, everybody's together. Because it's not right. And the crabs in a bucket mentality is going to keep holding people back. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather saw it way back when. Mm-hmm. It's progressed slowly here. Excuse me, Siri. I'm sorry, baby. <laughs> and we can take it to a whole new level. Mm-hmm. But we talk about legacy. And yeah, my, my grandfather's an office. My father, is an, he does an unbelievable job as an AD. Great for Nike for the time he was there. Um, one of the things I pride most is that they made me get out of the mud and I got no favors, but it's, it's, it's the legacy of changing lives and what was instilled in me, not done for me mm-hmm. that I'm most appreciative of. And that, that's the thing that having seen Newton's my grandfather, cause that motivates me every day, mm-hmm. every single day. Because he wasn't doing it to say, I'm seeing it. Man, that was a byproduct of him caring about people. Leon Douglas, Wendell Hudson, T.R. Douglas. Them dudes love my grandfather because my grandfather was for them and for change. And I don't want guys just to be there to hug me after we win a game. Man, when I'm six feet under, I want those dudes living on the legacy and the mission. Mm-hmm. And then the kids' kids. Living it all. When we do that, then we'll be successful. We ain't have the success yet. Talk to me in five years when we've broken down all these barriers. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's what I care about. Talk to me when we have guys like this, like we all in here together. And you ain't thinking about, man, he's from here, he's from there. Mm. That That's what this is. That's why we're doing it. Basketball is just a tool. That's all we're doing. We're just using it. Mm-hmm. Now, I promise Birmingham is going to be changed and the state of Alabama is going to be changed. For good. 
not for winning a game. We're going to teach kids that love stands for living on valued energy. If you want to be the showerhead or the drain. We're going to teach kids number two that discipline means focus on the little details. Three is pride. It stands for personal responsibility and daily effort. Everything I do, I go 110%. Four is have fun because what's the point of doing something you don't got fun doing it. Five is be a player, not a robot. Same thing for life. We're doing a podcast right now because y'all didn't want to just stick with Norm thinking nobody's going to listen to you. So you stepped up and you stepped out of your zone and you were a player. Coach draws up a play and you're wide open in the basket. What you going to do, Nelson? You going to shoot it or you going to run the play? Shoot it. Six is drop your ego because ain't nobody getting better together if we have ego. And then seven, this is the biggest one ever, is leaders eat last. Mm-hmm. Servant leadership. Name one of those things that say go dunk a ball, go get 20 points in your head. All seven of those things have to do with winning in life. All seven of those things can create generational change. Every single kid that comes through hoops and comes through our program has to be my dude. You, you've been to our stuff. You've heard the kids yell them out. Yep. Every single kid has to know all those because that's what matters. Dude. Scoring comes and goes. Mm-hmm. But that's the stuff that my grandfather put in my dad. Yeah. My grandfather put it into me, and my dad put it into me. And that's the stuff, you know, I've picked up a few things from other guys. Like that's, you talk about seeing it ain't the Hall of Fame coach, creator of the game, it's the Hall of Fame grandfather. Mm-hmm. My dad, I, I don't know if he'll be in the Hall of Fame ever, I doubt, just because of the politics and the way it looks. My dad's a Hall of Fame dad. Mm-hmm. And he's a Hall of Fame grandfather to my kids. Mm-hmm. He's a Hall of Fame person to the kids in San Francisco. That that's what it's about. Shut him out for it, but yeah. So that that's really what I care about. The basketball is cool, it's fun. I like <laughs> the homie, but like basketball's cool. It is. Cool it's cool. Fun. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's a tool, yeah. though. No, you absolutely right. It's not the end all be all. No, man. It's what we're going to use to help people. We're going to bridge the gap with these kids in these communities. But it's a tool. It's fun. It's awesome. It's so much. It's entertainment. But mm-hmm. we're not playing a finite game. We are playing an infinite game. Yeah. Finite game, the buzzer goes off and it's done. Mm-hmm. We want to play to keep playing. I ain't gonna be able to dribble past shoot forever. Kids don't. The kids can affect each other in a positive way forever. Mm-hmm. Generations, they, they, they can be changed forever. We can break down barriers and burn them. It starts with us. Mm-hmm. Man, that's good, man. That's good stuff. <laughs> that's great. It's real. It's what it is. I ain't doing it. <laughs> no, it's absolutely real. I play with a lot of guys out of the Birmingham area, especially in JUCO. So, like, you know, I, I, I see what you mean and what you're talking about. And, you know, I enjoy playing with those guys because, like, I feel like we was very different when we got there. All yeah. of us was hooping, but we was all very different, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, it's cool to know that you, you know, would like to – bridge those gaps that some of the Birmingham people, like not Birmingham people, the Birmingham area has, you know, like 
They, they just, they, you know, it's a subconscious thing. It's not always something they realize is happening or people realize it's happening, but it's, it's happening. So it's good that there are people that are, you know, actively trying to do something about it. What we said earlier, you don't know what you don't know until you know what you don't know. Exactly. I'm not from here, so what better person to come in and say, hey, guys, I rock with all y'all. I love you guys over here in Inslee, you guys out here at Centerpoint. I rock with you guys over at MLK. I rock with you guys in Mountain But here's what I'm going to tell you. Y'all are crabs in a bucket right now. Mm-hmm. Everybody can eat. Everybody can help each other. Everybody should be together. Because when you hit that real world, you're playing with live ammo. Mm-hmm. It's not for funsies no more. You go and act a certain way at college like you're better than somebody else. You go find out what's, what real life is like. Mm-hmm. Better way to educate those who don't know, th- those who are in certain areas, they ain't never seen the type of wealth and the houses and the lifestyle that's there in Mountain Brook or Homewood, or just anywhere we can say, what better way to show them that there's a way to get there other than to show them where it is and what it looks like. And then mm-hmm. better way to show these kids over here, there's a whole other side to life. And not everything's sweet. And not everything's given to you. And mommy and daddy can't save you. Mm-hmm. Other than show them. And then you learn how to treat people with respect. And kids are better than adults. Because kids... Mm-hmm. Man, they're so open-minded and they go to each other with open hearts. It's ridiculous. I wish I could live like a kid every day. Yeah. No, for real. That's kids nice. love holy. They do. And that's what we can change it with. Mm. Oh. It's my feeling where we're at and what we're doing. There was one more question oh. I wanted to ask me. It's about Nebraska. Beating Nebraska. Yeah, did didn't want to know what it was like to beat Nebraska. That was turned. I bet it was. Hey, boy, we ran this play called Horns Down. So, right, we had a kid named Wyatt Walker. So, on that team, though, you got to understand, we had Kristen Cunningham, who graduated. And I do have one more thing I want to touch on after this. But who graduated <laughs> and transferred to Louisville. Wyatt Walker graduated transferred to NC State. Both of them started there next year. Just so you guys know. Mm-hmm. We had um, Matt Rose, who killed that game. Um, trying to think of who else played really well that game. I, I can't even think. Uh, Darius Gibson played really well that game. Mm-hmm. But we ran this play called Horns Down, and, and it's similar to what Golden State does, where they hit high post and then they have the pin down option. But, man, this boy Wyatt Walker, he was a point forward that game and cut them up. And we just stayed in it and laughed the entire second half. Mm-hmm. And that's all we do. We're like, all right, horns down. See you. Have fun. And Scott was so good that he taught the guys that we would do our individual instructions off of making reads. If a guy top blocks it, you dive back door. If they overplay mm-hmm. the back door, we got you coming off the handoff. Wide, if they sink off, you shoot it. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was unbelievable. And it was cool because it was right before Christmas. And so if you ever pay attention to the high major, mid major games right before Christmas, somebody get knocked off. Because the high major kids are like, man, I'm trying to go home. And mid major dudes are looking at like, shoot. We go get this one right here. Mm-hmm. But it was uh it was a lot of fun. It was awesome. It it was really cool for the guys. Cause that was a turning point in our program. Yeah, it's like that can be. Like, it yeah, can be for guys. 
point where guys started to believe, and they were like, <laughs> all right, we with you. Uh, we got something. <laughs> yeah, we, we got something here, all right. And then Man. Next year we had a 20-win season, and uh, then we had some injuries, and, and guys ended up transferring to high majors. Uh, that, that was what I was going to touch on, like, People always think that you're twisted over a guy transferring. That, to coaches that get mad at guys for transferring to high major, from a mid-major to a high major. Here's my question. I'm the coach at Sanford University. Mm-hmm. For Kristen Cunningham's sake, I'm going to say this. Louisville offers me the head coaching job. Probably going to take it. <laughs> like... <laughs> This is a no-brainer. Like, you can't be mad at guys for advancing. What am I going to get mad at you for? Right. Yeah. Kid and he chooses, uh, he chooses to go to Florida over Sanford. I feel you, bro. If... I, I go to Florida, too. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Like, what? What, are we, what are we talking about? We, we can't get twisted on that. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, that's it. I just want to clear the air on that. Because, like, I still love Kristen Cunningham to death. And we, we don't even talk much, but he's he's in a, he's a coaching at Louisville now. He's doing an mm-hmm. unbelievable job. Um, I think uh, straight up, and I think he's going to be a star in that movie. I mean, mm-hmm. a star. Because C actually cares about kids, and, like, C's really good. And what made him so great is play, it wasn't just because he was athletic and he was skilled. C's brilliant, a brilliant basketball mind. I'm telling you, I'm calling it right now. Y'all holler at me in 10 years when Kristen Cunningham is the head coach running the show for a Division One college program and succeeding at a high level. Mm. If that's what he chooses to do. He's so smart, he could go be an accountant at a Fortune 500 company, a CFO or something. So, like, things like that. I, I don't know why I'm even bringing that up, but just love your guys, man, no matter what. No matter who they play for, love your guys. Your guys are your guys. Mm. That leads me to my next question. Uh, who is somebody, whether it's like a fellow coach that you know of, uh, a kid you train or kid you know of, that's just underrated, that's just not getting the attention that they should get, but right now is your opportunity to like give them a little shine that they should have. It can be a college player, a college coach, somebody that you know, don't know, whatever. Mm. That's like three-fold low kid. I'm not even trying to gas you up. I'm going to say you're one of them. I think you're phenomenal at what you do. I think that it doesn't get seen because you're not a hype dude. Um, you're more substance. Like, you, you really dive in and you really talk about, like, the, and you get intellectually deep with the players. And, like, you do those things where, you, like, they're doing shooting workouts and you talk to them like, all right, so now why did you miss that? And most guys, shoot myself and like, we run small groups so that we can maximize the kids that we want in there. Um, and now we do individual stuff and do attention to detail. But, like, I, I'd say you're one of them because you don't come from the pedigree. You're really getting out the mud right now. Uh, and that's not appreciated, but don't worry. We're building a gym right now. And we're going to be training kids out of there. So it will be appreciated very soon um, and put on light. Um I just mentioned Kristen Cunningham, I think, and he's getting some love, but I think Kristen's going to be a star, uh, an absolute star. And it, and then out of the kids, man, there's so many of them. 
um, that, that I think are going to be great. It just ain't been their time yet to be great. They they mm. they be molded right now. Um, if I got a shout to call one of shoot, that's a, it's like asking a dude that has a bunch of kids which one he loves more. Um, yeah. Man, that's tough. That's tough. That's a really tough one. You watch all over the air, but I mean, I, you you do, but like, I mean, like Quay Lynch as an eighth grader averages eighteen a game at Winona High School on the varsity team. Mm-hmm. So I said Winona. Excuse me. Excuse me. Woodlawn. Oh, yeah, Woodlawn High yeah. School. Excuse me. Yeah. I apologize. And Woodlawn. Yeah. So like he's getting love, but like. That kid's gonna be a Division One basketball player, mm-hmm. straight up. I'll mm-hmm. see if it right now. He's following his big cousin's Kavion Nolan, who just finished playing at Jacksonville in Florida, and was cold, 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 cold. Um, I, I say Quay is gonna be phenomenal. Uh, there, there's a kid named Charlie Hartman that's rising seventh grader. Charlie. Love Charlie. I love Charlie. I love Charlie. Ryder McMakin. Um, Ryder is, is tall, so he gets played at the big a lot. But yeah. Ryder's really a point two guard. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the one kid, I, I don't know whatever's going to come of it. His name's William Davis, but I call him Smooth. Smooth. I, he shows up and just does the right thing every day. Yeah. He's going into the fifth grade. And literally, the kids never had a bad day. Yeah, <laughs> like ever. Um, and then, man, I, selfishly as a dad, I'm, I'm gonna call Charlie Newton now. My son, Bubby Newton. Uh, Bubby. Bubby, man, I ain't never met a more resilient kid in my life. Like, and he's my best friend, and he's nine. I have conversations with him that I'd never have with most grown men. Like, he is my best friend. Everything. Um, so I'm, I'm going the, – the kids, all the kids, kids, I love you guys. I do. All y'all are special in your own ways. But I'm saying B. Jones, Kristen Cunningham, Andrew Barber doesn't get enough credit for everything. He wears so many hats. Um, Andrew Barber believes in, in everything you do, and that is the most loyal person I've ever met. Like, Barber is ten toes down loyal. Um, yeah, that's probably who I'm going to rock with on that. Put me on the spot. First off, I appreciate that, man. Um, that wasn't the point of that question, but you know, I appreciate it, man. So, man, that was that's earned. Yeah, that's earned. Y'all can tell by now if I don't mean if I don't believe it, I ain't saying it. I definitely can tell. <laughs> like, it's just facts. That's where I rock with you, man, because I ain't got My time dog. for the extra stuff. Yeah, it's, My it's, dog. Yeah. So let's let's get some uh promotion going here. Let's get some some business stuff, man. Talk about hoops and everything you got going on with that. Um so we we low key been I'm a big work in the dark. 
show the world what's up. Um, they, you've seen where we train out of and where we work out of. We've gone to Willowwood, MLK Rec Center, and Avondale United Methodist Church, and we won't go to any gym that's over the mountain because we're trying to bridge gaps in communities, not to help the rich get richer. Um, so we are building a facility right now, 798 Montclair Road. Um, it does not have a Mountain Brook address. It has a city of Birmingham address because we're wanting to promote the city of Birmingham um, and make it for everybody. Uh, it's going to be a two-court facility. We're going to be running camps this July. We're going to be running leagues. We're going to have a fall league. It'll be done September 1 is the opening date. Uh, this is two years in the making, everybody. Two years of grinding, sweat equity, finding the spot. We've got a great team of investors, great team of people, and literally this is for everybody. Um, I will never coach a team again in my life because I want to help everybody. And if anybody thinks that this is a ploy, this is, all we are trying to do is we are trying to create generational change through Birmingham and then hit the whole state of Alabama. Um, we want to make kids better people, and we want to build a better future. And it starts with us, and it starts now. Uh, you can check us out at alabamahoops.net. Um, you can reach me. Our Instagram is 205hoops. Come hit us, see what's up, see what we're about. And uh, we're all in for the community and for the people. That's all we want to do is build this up for everybody. This isn't about me. This isn't about an individual. This is about for the kids, for the culture, it's forever. Yeah. And that's why I'm with you, man, because uh, before we got together, I was just kind of like, like I was telling this one, it's like, man, the hoop scene down here is like just – it's bad, just like low level hoops. But then, like you said before, like the city of Birmingham and Alabama whole has the crab in the barrel mentality. Yeah, and it's like, my I, I'm not trying to be the guy that changes Alabama basketball because that's dumb and impossible. But I can pe- pe- play a little part and chip in my piece of doing this. It's like, okay, what can I do? All right, with these kids that I'm training, let me figure out how to do this. Okay, I could branch out a little bit bigger by doing a podcast and doing this and doing that. And you came along. I saw you at one of the tournaments, whatever. You're like, man, that's what I'm doing here. Da, 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 da. Got the court going. I'm like, oh, I can skip these next five steps and just, oh, man, sign me up, man. I've been tired. So, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, then, like, the, it's like, that's cool. But, like, the mission of what you're talking about, just like, man, like, desegregating everything and figuring out how to get the kids better. It's like, that's really why I'm here. Like, it's a blessing to have the gym and everything because I had a gym. Situation got messed up, went left. You know, been trying to figure stuff out on my own, but then you came along. I'm just like, now I appreciate that. But like, bigger than that, it's just like the message getting the kids straight. So like, that's really why we're here together and like going forward with how we're doing it. So that's that's you know, I love that man. That's why I'm here. Yeah, with. it's gonna be special, man. It's all love. Um, I mean, you're gonna get better. The, the training and the skill level that's second to none. But it's about building each other up and everybody eating and not having egos and really what's doing right for the kids and putting on premier, not just events and tournaments, but having a league where everybody's accepted. There should never yeah. be a league where kids are ousted or not allowed to play because of where they live. Mm-hmm. We should have everybody in together. Training shouldn't be limited because of po- politics with playing time. Training should be, man, we all need to get better. We're all in here together. We're all humans. 
And at the end of the day, people support people. We all going to need each other. Mm -hmm. It ain't about money. It's not about X, Y, and Z. It's not about ego. It's not about social media posts. It's not about any of that. But we're going to use that to build our brand to help people. Yeah. And that's all we need. The people. Y'all come in, you got a home. And we got yeah. you. Yeah, man. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> now, so come back and play in the pro am next summer, baby. Pro am? Come on, man. Hey. We're gonna have pro ams. We're gonna have high school leagues, middle school leagues, elementary little kid leagues. We're gonna have boot camps for tryouts. We're gonna have elite camps. We're gonna have live camera feeds in there so that we can stream the games live, and then so kids can get exposure because most kids can't even get their name out there. We're going to use all the connections I had in college to help some of these high school guys get recruited and seen in ways they've never been seen. We're going to have one of the NCAA tournaments in Birmingham next year. Um, I know a guy that's on the NCAA selection committee now, uh, my dad. And, uh, Shout out to and dad. may not be using the facility. We're going to have the squadron in there some. We're, we're going to be training all our pros out of there. It's going to be the spot for basketball. Um mm. We just need the people to understand, look, there ain't no ulterior motives. We got open arms to you. Come on in. Hit us up and see what, what we're about. If you don't like it, cool. We still yeah. want you to eat. You just choose not to eat at our table. But if you want to stop at the table, come on. Let's eat. Let's go together. Man. Yeah. Hey, to, hey, I'm trying to be pro next year, man. Like, you know, I have my opportunities this year, but, you know. Take that when, trying what, out. So Take that get, trying out. Take that trying out. Oh, my bad. I, I, my bad. I'm going to be hey, a pro next right there. <laughs> I, I had my opportunity this year, but, you know, money wouldn't have been worth it compared to, you know, coming back for my fifth year for my COVID year. So I decided to do that, and so here I am. But I'm, I'm going to be a pro next year trying to, you know, going to make me – going to make some good money. That's That's the plan, so – that's the, I'm, I'm interested. You might have you one right here, so I'm trying Come to see. Come on, us, man. Come on down this summer. Shoot, we're running our Elite Academy stuff this summer out of Sanford at night. We got guys okay. coming. Yeah. We call it the Elite Academy because it's pros and college guys. Yeah, we kind of have that here right now. Like, we got a lot of guys in Columbus that are pros and uh and college guys. They're the only ones allowed now. That's really where I was at before I got on here. We have runs every night. But – uh. Ain't nothing like them college red night. Boy, I bet you so tired right now. It's no, yeah, I'm 1040. <laughs> yeah, I'm dog tired. It's 11 over here. So, yeah, so in Georgia, it's, it's a little later. So, but it's good runs. Yeah. Yes, but it's good runs. You know, it's worth it. So, and playing against pros and other guys that play in college. And I'm a defensive guy. So, I'm guarding the better guys. And it's like, man. And then, you know, I got my coach in my ear like, hey, man, you ain't scoring the ball. And I'm like, I was just, just guarding a pro down there. I don't know if you saw it. <laughs> he's pretty good, the guy on the other end. <laughs> he's not bad. Yeah, he's not a bad player at all. So yeah. that's kind of where I'm at with it. So, I mean, I, I wish I had time to just, you know, shoot the Birmingham come back. But next summer, though, you might, hey, you might have you one. got a spot. Yeah, man. Sounds good to me, man. But. Uh, B, is that is there anything else you wanted to ask my boy before you get over before you get out of here? Man, we can keep going all night with this, man. So, uh, no, we could, I can see, <laughs> sure, we could. but yeah, man, but, I'm gonna respect everybody's time here, and uh, 
we can end it right there, man. So that's it for me. All right, Coach. So, man, like, once again, we want to tell you thank you for coming on. We appreciate you. We appreciate you, what you're doing, what you what you got going on over there in Alabama. And I, I'm me and B, we do it a lot. We, we love the Bama guys. Like, we bring up Bama guys a lot and Bama products. And you you going to be part of the process that makes a lot of Bama products. So that's, that's something that's big for us, man. Guys, time it means a lot. I told you, guys, I really respect what you guys are doing. Don't stop. Keep going. If I can ever help, y'all let me know. For All sure, right. man. It means a lot. But that does it for another episode of the B Ball Jones podcast. We appreciate you guys for listening. Hope y'all got some out of the talk and enjoyed some of the stories of uh, uh, Coach New here, man. It's been a good one. I enjoyed it. I know Brian enjoyed it. I enjoyed just watching y'all. Y'all was talking for a little bit. I was like, man. That's these my guys. dog right there. I was like, these guys are cool. <laughs> we got a in. That's my dog. Man, I already know it. But, man, thank y'all once again. Please, you know, like and subscribe. Leave a comment. Leave some questions for new. If you got any, I'm sure you'll be. We, we'll get it to him. If y'all got questions for him, we'll get it to him. So we'll let you know what he said. But uh, be sure to like and subscribe. Be sure to follow Brian on all social medias. At B Ball Jones, that's B E Ball Jones on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and on TikTok. So y'all go be sure to follow him on there and like up a couple of the videos he already got. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at NellyH34 and at Nelson.Haskin on IG. And you can just find me at my name on Facebook if you ever want to get up with me on there. And then I don't think, did we ever put new uh, social media out here? There it is. No. <laughs> I knew you had. Wow. Hey, be sure to follow his Instagram at 205hoops, man. He got good things going on, man. So y'all y'all be sure to go give him a follow and check him out over there. But uh, for sure, man, appreciate you once again. That does it for us over here at the B-Ball Jones Podcast. We hope y'all enjoyed it. Please tune in next week for another great episode. And without further ado, man, we out. <laughs>